Hello, and welcome to the Her True Strength Podcast. In today's episode, you're going to discover some deeply rooted myths that many Christian women unknowingly believe about self-care and how we can approach it better in light of the gospel. I'm going to give you three really quick and simple things you can do to give yourself more pep in your step, a big smile on your face, and know that you're carrying the very best for your God-given body. True Strength Podcast is your faith-based approach to discovering how to build your strongest body yet. You'll learn how to strengthen your mind, body, and spirit all through the lens of the gospel. I'm your host, Laura Lindahl, follower of Jesus, lifter of weights, and adventure enthusiast. And I empower faith-based women to build strong bodies from the inside out so they can confidently impact the world with strength and grace. Welcome to the Her True Strength Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is your host, Coach Laura Lindahl. And I gotta say, I am so charged to be here with you guys today. Spending a week in the absolutely breathtaking mountains of New England has me literally charged up to 100% and ready to bring to you today a topic that is often glorified but seldom justified from a Christian perspective. So without further ado, let's get into the topic of self care. Now, before we get started, let's do a quick temp check. When I say the words self-care, what does that bring up for you? What sights, smells, activities, or thoughts come to mind? Do you find yourself thinking of a trip to the spa? Maybe getting a mini-pedi with a friend? Does it bring good memories to mind? Or maybe the topic of self-care brings some feelings of guilt, For some, thinking of spending money on themselves or taking time away from the family kind of feels wrong and comes with a truckload of emotions to process. Well, regardless of where you landed in that, we're going to be covering both sides of which today you may land and hopefully we'll be walking away with a fresh perspective on what selfless self-care actually looks like. And because giving is my love language, I'm going to leave you with three practical steps that have changed the way I personally care for my body on a daily basis. So to dive in, maybe you've heard this analogy, self-care is like an airplane oxygen mask. You must place your mask on before assisting others. Cue the flight attendant putting on an uninflated oxygen mask over her face and then assisting some child. While I get the point of this analogy, if I'm being honest, I deeply loathe it. (laughs) And while that may sound a little bit dramatic and something small to disagree with, allow me to explain. And no, it has nothing to do with the fact that we've been wearing a mask for the last two years because of the Rona. While this analogy draws the beautiful conclusion that we need to care for our bodies so that we can care for others better... It leaves out a few vital components of self-care that I think are critically important. Components that are so vital that if we miss them, we can spiral down a dark hole of guilt and blame-filled thoughts surrounding self-care. See, this analogy is used in a time of emergency, a toxic environment where we can't even breathe. When things get so bad that you can barely breathe, put on your mask, as if self-care is something that we save for the dire straits. It's a flip of a switch, on or off. You're wearing the mask or you're not. 
But when we view self-care this way, we put it off until things get so bad that we can't breathe. Then once things return to normal, we can toss the mask aside and go about our business. Self-care then is viewed as one day or like one act that we do and then go about our merry way and continue the rhythm of life that got us into the toxic zone in the first place. But the reality is the positive emotions and joy we get from self-care and those acts of self-care we do aren't meant to be experienced only in times of crisis and then forgotten, but rather a daily dose of thoughts and small steps that keep us out of the danger zone and in a steady stream of being at peace with our body, heart, and soul and having clarity of thought. Think of it this way. Instead of dropping a mega dose waterfall of self-care, like going away for a trip to the spa or maybe taking a week off of work, instead we should think of a drip dosage amount, like on a daily basis. When we do this, we prevent the epic meltdowns and screaming matches because we've been daily watered with a reminder that we're worthy of care and respect. Because self-care isn't just the things that we do by putting off or putting on. It's the way that we think about ourselves on a daily basis. It's the thoughts that we choose to think and not to think about how our body is feeling and what it needs. So instead of being the mask that's put on or off, Self-care more closely resembles the breath of oxygen that comes with a mask. Because here's the reality. If you're a human being breathing today, you are made in the image of God. What that more specifically means is that you bear the image of a holy, perfect, just, and divine God. It's like a branding stamp that you've seen on cattle. We can't really take it off. We've been marked as a representation of what God's image is and... While that image has been distorted by sin in the fall, because that mark carries an incredible value to God, that's why he sent Jesus to redeem and restore us through the life and death of Jesus. So while I agree that self-care should be centered around serving others, it's vitally important that the process of loving others, we don't neglect the inherent value that our bodies possess and why they're even worthy of our efforts to care for in the first place. So we've covered a bit about my vendetta against the mask analogy and a little bit about how self-care isn't just that mask that we need to wear in toxic times and toxic environments, nor is it an item on our to-do list that we save for a rainy day. Rather, self-care is something that we should be dripping daily into our lives to care for our bodies better because we are made in God's image. Now that you're here, you're probably thinking, okay, so what are those daily drips of self-care? What does that actually look like? How can I practice self-care daily? And how much time is this going to take? How much money am I going to have to spend? Well, if you're asking these questions, I get it. And I would kindly remind you to please rewind to the part where we talked about your inherent worthiness as a human being to be cared for. And we will reconvene then. These daily drips of self-care, in fact, don't actually have to take a lot of our time or even oodles of our money. And while I'll be the first in line to sign up for a massage or pedicure, these things aren't always the most effective ways to practice self-care on a daily basis. Think about it. How many people do you know get a manicure every day or a massage every day? I can't think of anyone (laughs) unless you're a pro athlete. Probs not. It's not happening. 
But I'm going to give you three daily dosage self-care strategies that you can start practicing today that will put that smile on your face and a little pep in your step. And it lasts way longer than a gel, dip, or acrylic pedicure. Because where the world gets self-care mixed up with selfishness is that they believe we only care for ourselves to bring us happiness. And while I believe that we should be happy, God much more desires our holiness. So you may not be surprised then that these self-care strategies I'm going to share with you will help you accomplish both. There's going to be a little soul care and a little self-care. So let's get on with them. The first is to fill your mind with truth. What does it mean to fill our mind with truth and why is it important in the light of self-care? To fill your mind is actually (laughs) hashtag backwards of most self-help and meditation gurus would tell you, isn't it? When you're sitting in a yoga class and you're lying down in Savasana, what is it that they tell you? To empty your mind. Empty your mind. And while they mean well, when we empty our mind, often the first things to rush back in isn't truth. It's the lies of our thoughts and the lies from the enemy. Have us question and ask, what if I don't fit in? What if I can't have a baby? What if the cancer comes back? But in God's economy, he asks us to do things backwards. He wants us to daily drip truth into our mind and for good reason. He wants it to be so filled with the truth that it's easier to spot a lie. It's like when the bank tellers are new on the job. They don't have them study counterfeit bills to know how to identify them. They have them study the real thing. They have them count countless real dollars to understand how it feels, how it looks, how it smells, how it sounds when they count it, because they know that counterfeit bills are constantly changing and that the best defense in identifying them is to know the real deal so well that anything else that is not true sticks out like a sore thumb. Which is why the first step I'm sharing with you guys is to daily fill your mind with truth as a form of self-care. John 15 is perhaps my favorite self-care verse in the whole Bible. And for context, John 15 is where Jesus describes himself as the vine and we are described as the branches. John 15, 4 says, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. What exactly does it mean to abide in Christ or to fill our mind with truth as it were? Well, it means to go to the source of truth and that's God's word to us to daily ingest this in some form or fashion. While for some, the classic image of waking up in the morning over a cup of piping hot coffee, lighting a candle, and reading the word is what they love best, the reality is for many, that's just not an option, especially after a long night, busy day, busy household. Instead, I would encourage you to get creative. Some days filling your mind with truth can look like listening to a sermon while you work out or worship music in the car. Maybe it's memorizing one verse a month. If you're someone who is strapped for time, I'd recommend checking out the Crossway podcast. It has a 10 to 20 minutes Bible verse each day that helps you to daily ingest truth. It's fantastic. I highly recommend. But the take-home message is this. Don't wait for the perfect circumstances, better schedule, or right timing in order to get in the word. 
I'm sad to say that it will never get here and you'll just be waiting at the station for the train to arrive for a long time. Instead, ask yourself, what can I do today? Start small, start messy. Just start getting in the word daily and spending time getting to know the real deal. And I guarantee you those counterfeit thoughts that drag us down that ultimately make us feel exhausted and burnt out will start to look pretty darn obvious. This first step goes beyond self-care, like I said, and it is a matter of soul care that will last longer than any massage, any gel petty, any face mask that you could ever do. Trust me. The second form of self-care is a little thing I like to call the practice of pausing. I first stumbled across this at a winery when I learned the extensive process of growing grapes. In some vineyards, the vines are cultivated, planted, and left to grow for three years before being allowed to bear fruit to be, or to be harvested. Did you catch that? Three years of cultivation before they were allowed to bear fruit. When the vines would start to bear fruit before harvest time, they would be pruned back to allow the vines to grow stronger and thicker. Then when the time was right, the vines would grow an abundance of sweet and heavy grapes that the sturdy and thick vines could easily handle without breaking. And perhaps this is why Jesus used this analogy of a vine and a fruit for self-care, because he knew that in order for us to bear fruit and to withstand the weight of it, we needed to pause not just for 30 seconds breathing practice into our eye watch, but I mean a full-blown stop. The art of practicing the pause has taken me some time to cultivate, and I'm still working on it, for sure. I started with simple things, like pausing my work to get up and get lunch, or pausing a project to go to bed on time. And as I continue to practice, I'm learning that pausing is super countercultural. When I tell people that I get up to do nothing or I go to bed early, I almost get a look like, oh, why? Because in a world where busyness is idolized and we can't risk getting labeled as lazy, it's hard to show self-control in this way. But when we do, we prune back the vines and make our branches stronger for the fruit that we have yet to bear. Because when we're constantly in go mode 24-7, our vines can become weak, brittle, and if you're like me, we can easily snap at someone or get worn down by the constant attack of the enemy and just the weight of the day. Pausing creates power. It creates momentum to keep going from a fresh start. After all, is it not the silence between the notes that makes music? Here are some ways that I've put the practice of pausing into my daily routine. At first, I began with an, a withdraw, a withdraw or a pause from a social activity. This would normally look like going for a walk in the woods alone with no time or intensity intention. I left my iWatch at home. I didn't take my phone. The goal was just to be alone and to think. And it's okay to need alone time. In fact, Luke 15, 16 tells us that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And this is true for us as well. Amidst all the demands of life, all the appointments to keep, the dinners to cook, children to raise or dogs to raise, the reports to complete and the paychecks to earn, sometimes we need to withdraw. Then 
My pauses started to look like moments in my week that I carved out to be still and reflect. So currently Friday afternoons are my reflection days. I stop the doing and look over the week and celebrate a win from the last few days. Sometimes it's a big win, like launching a podcast or a new program. And other days it's super low key and mundane, like I got in three workouts this week. But it's the time that I've given myself, I have it on the calendar to stop the doing and embrace the being and the growth. Because often, if we don't pause to reflect and acknowledge that something's happening, we can go our merry way and never see that we're making progress. So we've covered the first two strategies that you can implement to practice self-care with a little soul care, like finding creative ways to fill your mind with truth and some practical strategies to practice the art of pausing in a very busy world. The last self-care practice I'm going to give you might need a little unwrapping and explaining, but the basis is this. We need to replace self-love with self-acceptance. To tie up self-care with a big bow, I need to discuss the concept of self-love in light of the gospel. Because at its root, a lot of Christian women wrestle with the messy middle of practicing self-care in a way that doesn't make them feel self-indulgent or self-centered, and rightly so. Which is why we're going to unpack this simple swap in our mindset surrounding self-care so you can freely approach the spa, time alone, or new clothes without feeling guilty or shameful. It's important that we take a minute to define what self-love is by the world's terms. From what I've read, self-care is an introspective prioritization of self, meaning looking inward to find our sense of peace, joy, comfort, and understanding, and making that the most important thing. And while unintended, many Christians can take bits of this into their daily walk, and as a result, we can find ourselves feeling unsatisfied and discontented. I personally found this very often with the Enneagram. While I love the Enneagram as a tool to better understand my personality, why I do the things I do, what makes me tick, and even for coaching, sometimes the more I looked into who I was, I didn't really like what I found. And instead of discovering love for myself, I actually discovered things that I didn't like about myself. Because as sinners, the more we look inside ourselves, the more darkness we often find, right? The heart is deceitfully wicked, and who can know it? Like, there's not a whole lot of room for interpretation of that verse. We're broken, and no amount of gluing broken pieces together can mend that. Which is where the beauty and freedom come when we replace self-love with self-acceptance. Because while self-love says that you have to love what's inside, self-acceptance says that we can accept our brokenness and love that Jesus won't leave us there. It's resting on the finished work of Jesus to restore us and not the unfinished work that we are yet to do the job. The pressure's off. You don't have to be your best self because Jesus already did that for you. Now, Where do we go from here? Do we just do whatever the heck we want because Jesus has done it for us so we can do eat, drink, and be merry? But no. Now we live from a place of gratitude and we do give effort to care for our body and not to earn anything, but to show a heart of thankfulness to the gift that God has given us. So there we have it. 
three rather unconventional and maybe a little hashtag backwards ways that you can practice self-care today. By filling your mind with truth, practicing the pause, and finally trading self-love for self-acceptance. And because you know we're all about action here, I would really encourage you to take action on this podcast. Don't just let this episode be another podcast that you listen to and go about your merry way. Do something with this. Send it to a friend as an accountability partner so they can help you take better care of yourself. Maybe if you're driving, find a wide part in the road, pull over and jot down which of the three you'd like to put into practice over the next few days. Maybe you want to fill your mind more often with truth. Maybe you want to start a practice of pausing throughout the day or maybe setting aside a specific time or day that you reflect on the past. You reflect on the victories that you've had. Or maybe you found that self-love has kind of trickled into your thoughts and you found yourself feeling guilty or shame-filled for trying to practice the art of self-love. I would encourage you to replace that with a form of self-acceptance, to rest in the gospel and who Christ says that you are. You are forgiven, you are loved, and you are accepted. So much so that God doesn't leave us in our brokenness, but pursues us in a life of purification and sanctification so that we can become more like him. Did you do that? I hope that you did because we are about taking action and making change happen here. That's why I make the time to record these podcasts, because I assure you the sound of my own voice can get a little boring sometimes, (laughs) but I do it knowing that it's making a difference for active, faith-filled women like you who want to serve and love those around them with strength and grace. And with that, we flip the switch and call it a wrap on today's episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please consider leaving us a review or dropping us some stars. It really would just mean the world. So until next time, friends, stay strong. All the love, Coach Laura.